Hi, Joy Christian Center. We are so excited that you are here with us today. My name is Jordan, and I serve on the tech team. We have an amazing service planned for you guys today. Pastor Brian is going to be speaking here and also at downtown St. Cloud. The band is also going to be with us. So we know that right now is a hard time. It's challenging, and we're trying to adjust to new ways and in some ways a new life. But just remember that right now, in the meantime, God is our waymaker. Here's Pastor Brian. Hey, good morning, Joy. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity that uh, while we're all in the midst of the corona crazy COVID-19 stuff and everything, that you're giving me this opportunity to come into your home and hopefully share something that's going to encourage your faith and, and build up your heart as well. I got to be honest with you, man. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm just missing everybody. And now, don't hold me to this, but I kind of think that this is going to be me the first Sunday that we can finally all be together. Now, again, as I said, don't hold me to this, but I think that might be close to my reaction. But here we are in the meantime, and that's really, really the topic that we talked about last week and are again talking about today. And for me, uh, this graphic, this picture really beautifully describes uh, what it means to be in the meantime, because when you're in the meantime, if you remember, you're not here. You used to be here, but you're not there anymore and you haven't yet gotten to where you're going you're in between and it's in this space, the distance between where you were and where you're headed that we call the meantime. And it's in the meantime, in this in this in-between time that's really confusing for people and it can be extremely uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be because there's lessons that we can learn and there's certainly growth to be had while we're living in this meantime space. And so I want to remind you of a few things that, that we talked about last week was we kind of build off of this topic. And we found in Acts chapter one that Luke was writing to a friend and he's giving a sort of synopsis of the letter that we call the Gospel of Luke. And there were a couple of main points from, from the first 11 verses. And to kind of condense for, for time, in Luke chapter, or Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke basically says that this is everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. And, and there was a definite start that Luke wrote about. And then he said in verse 11, this Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but will someday return. And, and, and what I kind of wanted you to see from that last week is that there was something that Jesus started and it will end with Jesus coming back, a beginning and an end. And the disciples were now left sort of staring up into the heaven and I kind of think they were thinking, well, when is Jesus coming back? And they're, you know, he said he's coming back. He's he coming back now or tomorrow. When's he coming back? Because part of the reason is that for 40 days, Jesus had been kind of popping up. He'd been here with them, and then <clears throat> other times he was teaching, showed up at different places. But eventually it took a divine encounter with some angels who then asked them, why are you standing here? What are you waiting around? Why are you waiting for someday? And that's the danger 
that and, and the uncertainty that in the meantime brings to us. And I think that for a lot of us, we're feeling that today. There's an uncertainty in between what was and what's to come. We, we don't know and we're kind of in limbo. We're between those two spaces. And if we're not careful, that uncertainty that we feel uh, will cause us to kind of <clears throat> end up standing around hoping and waiting for some day to come. And so let me try to help you with a couple of things, that it, what it means to be in the meantime. And again, in the meantime, you can, you can again sort of see that, that <clears throat> for the disciples, there was something that was brand new for them. They weren't where they used to be just a few short days ago or weeks ago when Jesus was beginning to do his ministry, when he had started something. And, and when they were over here, they followed Jesus wherever he went. Uh, over here is where he taught. Over here is where he healed. Over here is where they watched him preach and teach and to confound and do all of the things that, that Jesus did. Whenever Jesus said, go somewhere, that's where they went. But now they're here because Jesus is gone. They haven't gotten to where God wants them to go, and they found themselves in the meantime. Their past experiences, their past understanding over here was not going to be enough to get them over here to the place that God ultimately wanted them to be able to accomplish His vision or mission and plan for them. And now, it might seem a little bit strange for us, but, for, but Jesus leaving was really a part of God's plan. We read these words in John chapter 16 and verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's, it's to your advantage that I go away. If you were all here, I'd say, say advantage. You have an advantage. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have an advantage. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, for them, it didn't seem like it was an advantage, and that's part of what Jesus was referring to in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. He was letting them know, you guys are sorrowful and you're sad because you're hearing about me leaving, but it's really a blessing. It's really a benefit for you that I would go away. He said, if I don't go away, then the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. The helper, it, other translations really say that the helper is, is, uses the word comforter, uses the word encourager, uh, maybe counselor is a word that is used, but, but the word helper is actually the Greek word paraclete. And it's, it really means a person that is called alongside together with against. And, and if I was going to move this table, Pastor Tommy's moving around, he's around here somewhere. And if I said, hey, Pastor Tommy, we need to move this table, I would call him alongside to get, and, and together with me, we would lift this table against the weight of the table and we would move it. And that's why Luke in Acts chapter 1 was telling us about this advantage that was available to them in the meantime. And so we read these words and we talked a little bit about it last week in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as we talked last week, that power was primarily for uh, the disciples to be witnesses. He said, you will be witnesses, my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. And that was, you know, where they were comfortable. It was in their hometown throughout Judea, just a little bit farther, that sometimes God, by the Holy Spirit, wants to bring you, uh, expand things in your heart and in your life. And then he said Samaria, which is they hated the Samaritans. That's where they didn't want to go. Those were people that they thought were not worthy of God's redemptive grace or power. And then it says, ultimately, to the ends of the earth, that the vision that God had for the disciples and for his church that he was building wasn't just a, a Jewish world. It wasn't just a first century world. It was to the very ends of the earth. And so the power that they were to receive was to be on them to be living witnesses. And, and certainly we could go a lot of great theological directions for that. But it was really 
more than just telling people about a risen Savior. It was, to me, one of the most remarkable things that happened was the people that, that knew Jesus, that were followers of Jesus, the other people that knew the disciples, and they were shocked at the transformation that happened in their lives. And, and that really is what a nugget that I want you to see. It brings me to this point today, and, and it's really this. Luke wrote, wrote this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be. Now, again, in that context, you're going to be witnesses. You'll give a, a witness of the resurrection of Christ. To, but again, more than just preaching the gospel, more than just telling people about Jesus. He said, you're going to have power to be. The Holy Spirit's going to give you to, the power to become something. And so in the meantime, Jesus had said, basically, the Father is going to give us a gift. He, and His name is the Holy Spirit. And He's going to give us an advantage in our life. And, and here's what that advantage looks like. In John chapter 16, uh, we find these words of Jesus. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, and, and He already has. That's what happened in Acts 2-4, the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And that phrase, the guide, that He would guide you into the truth, that's really the job of the Holy Spirit. And And... That's the power that He provides to us to kind of serve as a guide that will eventually bring you to some truth in your life. And, you know, many of you have been on guided tours in the past, and I was thinking about the guide and asking myself the question, what does it take to be guided? And you've got to recognize the guide, and many times the guide will have a different, uh, you know, they're, they're dressed differently. Maybe it's a hat or it's a flag or it's something like that to let you know that you're to listen to them, that you're to follow them and they stick out a little bit more so that you can easily identify them. And that's part of the reason. Uh, f and part of the reason for that is because the guide is equipped differently than you are. Uh, and, and one of the things I've been able to do, I, I uh, have been able to do some scuba diving, certified diver, and been able to do some really great trips. And one of the things that the guides will do, you'll be on the boat, and the dive guide will get out a whiteboard, and they'll do a pre-dive conference, basically. And in that pre-dive checklist, they will tell you what depth you're going to be at. You'll descend to a certain depth, and whether or not there's currents in the water, the route, perhaps, that you're going to go, what type of marine life you're going to encounter. You might see sharks or eels, or there might be some, some coral or different things. Sometimes there's a, a shipwreck or a part of a shipwreck that would be of interest. And, and so the guide, because of their familiarity with the area, sees things and knows things that you and I wouldn't probably miss. And, and they can then tell us about it, or at least alert us to us. And, and what he would say many times, or the dive guide would say, if I see something, I'm going to tap, I'm going to take my knife and I will tap the back of my tank. And, and uh, you, when you hear that sound, and it's a tinking sound, kind of pink, pink, pink. And uh, it's kind of an interesting sound underwater. But he said, look for me because there's something that I want you to see. And so I'd be swimming around, just kind of minding my own business, swimming along, looking. And I'd faintly hear this little tink, tink, tink. And sometimes at first I didn't even really recognize it. But then I realized, oh, wait, that's the guide. That's the sound that I was supposed to listen for. And I'd look around to see where that sound was coming from. And I'd see a bunch of other divers gathered around the, di the, the dive master. And I'd get over there too late and didn't get to see what everybody else saw. Saw. And it took me a few times, but after a while, as soon as I heard that, I recognized that sound almost immediately. And I was on high alert. I'm looking around. What is it? The guide sees something and he wants me to see that as well. And that's really the function of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and he wants to guide you. He wants to alert you. He wants to show you things to come. And, and there's a lot of ways that he can do that. And sometimes it could be while you're listening to somebody preach or teach or even through music and songs. It could come through times of prayer as you're entering 
entering into prayer and worshiping God in that way or reading the Bible. But, but all of that is an important part of the process. It's spending time with Jesus. It's developing a hearing ear. That's what Jesus said many times. Uh, he said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so again, Jesus said in John chapter 13, and he goes on to say, when he'll guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you, <clears throat> he is going to tell you what is still going to happen. He's going to show you, other translations say he's going to show you things to come. He'll, he'll tell you about the things to come. And, and, and this is really, really important when you're in the meantime. This is... Uh, uh, I don't even know how to explain it exactly, but this is experience that the Holy Spirit, he's experienced and he knows what's to come. He knows what's 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 going to happen in the future. And he's alerting you to some things that you would not normally see. And here's why he says in verse 14, he will bring me glory. Jesus said that the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into truth that will ultimately transform your life so that he'll bring you glory. He said, that's because he receives from me and will show it to you. The things that the Holy Spirit receives from Jesus and Jesus receives them from God, the Holy Spirit then is going to take those things and he's going to show it to you and he's going to show it to me. And, and, and to me, this is really one of the most important things to understand about the Holy Spirit. His job is to glorify Jesus. There's a ton of teaching and a lot of things out there about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and so much of it really doesn't have a lot to do with glorifying Jesus. And, 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 and there's a myriad of things about the Holy Spirit and His power that, that we should know about. But ultimately, He wants to glorify all the things that Jesus did and accomplished for us in the cross, but He wants to do it through you and He wants to do it through me. And, and so, to me, here's why all of this is important. Um, if you treat tomorrow as if it was yesterday, then you're going to miss the value of in the meantime. If you treat tomorrow as if it was yesterday, then you're going to miss the value of what it means to be in the meantime. And, and here's, here's kind of the problem, at least the way that I see it. Yesterday, when we were over here, because of the familiarity of right here, there's this uncertainty of over there. There's a tendency to try to kind of reach back, to stretch back to what we're familiar with, what's comfortable for us, the things that we trusted in, the routines that we had established, because it's all comfortable. But God wants to bring us to someplace we've never been before many times. And so we feel uncomfortable while we're here in the meantime. And what I want to help you see today really is this, that the more that you can understand you've got an advantage here, you've got help here, the more that you can trust an uncertain future that you feel in the meantime to the goodness of God, to the greatness of God, the more that you can live with confidence. You know, the Apostle Paul addressed a season in his life that he was living in the meantime. And he said, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. I know I used to be here, but I'm not there yet. I'm right here. But he said, while I'm right here, I'm leaving what's behind and I'm going to press toward the mark, the, the prize for the purpose of the call of God in Christ, the call that he had asked me to fulfill. So in the meantime, I think this, that while we're in that state of uncertainty, God desires a depth of relationship with you. And he always has. He, he wants that relationship. And it's part of what we say as a church. We want to help you get to know God. But if you know him, we want you to get to know him better. Uh, he, he makes such a difference in our life and he offers such sweet fellowship and communion. There's a scripture in the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. 
Jesus said this. He said, Behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Kind of like the scuba diver, kind of like the dive master, like the guide. Pink, pink, pink. He, he, he's wanting us to, to listen. He's, he's got some things for us to understand. And he goes on, he says, if your heart's open. Now, in this season that we're in, it's easy for our heart to get closed. It's easy for our heart to get overwhelmed. It's easy for us to be so consumed in the news of the day and what's happening around us and even in a broader scope in our life. It's easy for us to get consumed in the everyday busyness of life. And Jesus is saying, if your heart's open to hear my voice and if you keep the door, uh, if you open the door within, he said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to feast with you. We're going to fellowship together. I've got some things to feed you, to show you, to talk to you about. And, and right after he said that, you know what he said to, actually he was saying it to the church, saying it to the followers of Christ. He said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Fight my 
This morning as we prepare to pray over our tithes and offerings, we're going to take a look in the Word at, at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 11. Now this is from the Amplified Classic. And so notice what it says here. It says, And I will rebuke the devourer, insects and plagues for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know, there are many reasons for, for giving tithes to the Lord. And, and here in Malachi, there's a very vivid picture of some of them. You know, speaking through the prophet Malachi, uh, God's really, he's making a divine appeal to kind of break the barriers of uh, disappointment and discouragement and it really disbelief in some of the people uh, of that time. But, but notice here how the, the uh, devourer comes in a plurality of ways. It doesn't say insect, it says insects. It doesn't say plague, it says plagues. It's the plurality of it. In other words, it's the people of agriculture in that time. They could plant their crops, they could have insects like locusts or they could have mildew or, or, or worms or various diseases that would come at their plants and create hardship and misfortune for them. And you know, as, as this is being shared with the people in that day, <clears throat> they shouldn't be led to give by fear. They're not motivated by fear, and, and neither should we today. We realize that just as the enemy will come with various uh, attacks on our finances, we have to realize that God is so much bigger than our circumstances, and then we should trust Him. And, and I realize these are difficult days for, for many people, and, and some may be saying, well, how? How can I possibly give at a time like this? Well, this is the time I want to tell you this is the time for you to go and ask God how. Ask Him how, because He has answers for everything in our life. And, you know, maybe He'll give you some advice to, uh, to possibly spend differently or save differently or, or maybe change employment and, and some of your decisions there. But uh, whatever it might be, don't let fear destroy your seeds or your growth that can bring an abundant harvest. Trust God, give as He leads you to give, and you'll be blessed and you'll see Him working in your life mightily. So let's pray over your giving today. Father, we thank You so much as we bring our gifts before You and continue to serve you with the finances that, that you brought into our hands. Lord, we thank you that you will prosper us. And we see in your word in the Old Testament there where you re would rebuke the devourer. And we call upon you in this day, in this hour, to rebuke that devourer for our sakes. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and we can trust you, knowing as we do, you'll come through for us as you always have. In the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus, our risen Savior, amen. There's three ways that you can give uh, primarily during this time. One is to, to mail it in. You can mail your offering in if you like. And, or you can text to give. And we have a number that you can text there, 320-547-4770. Or if you like, you can give online. Go to greatjoy.org and there's instructions and things for you there as well. I worship you. 
You know, Jesus said that one of the things that the Holy Spirit would do is that he would guide us into all truth. Now, we often say that that's the Bible, and of course it is, but man, it's so much more than that. When Jesus said the Holy Spirit would show us things to come, that doesn't necessarily mean future events, but more like the tink, tink, tink on a scuba tank, the Holy Spirit's gonna paint a picture of what's possible in our life. And, and then tink, 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 just kind of like the guide, he's gonna say, hey, over here, there's something that I want you to see. Let me give you a glimpse or a vision of what your life could actually become because of the transformative power of God in your life. And, and, and last week I mentioned that the building behind me, it's experiencing what uh, uh, really it means to be in the meantime time. You know, the building right now is, is, is not what it used to be. In fact, this building really is never going to be what it was because it's been totally destroyed. But because of the value of this property, there's no question that something eventually is going to be on this corner. I do know this, that there's going to be a developer that's going to understand the value that's in this corner and he's going to go through a process. The rubble is going to be cleared out. Architectural plans are going to be drawn up, artist renderings given and governmental approvals and all of those things. But eventually what was once vision is going to become a reality. Now you might think you know where I'm going with this and probably have an idea, but resist the urge right now to, to go do something else because I believe that if you'll just listen for a little bit, you're going to hear that tink, tink, tink sound because the Holy Spirit wants to show you something. In the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter, we find a story about a man who had been an invalid for almost 40 years. Jesus found him at what is known as the Pool of Bethesda. And, and it was known as a place where miracles had happened and different things like that. And you can imagine what 40 years of being an invalid, especially in, in those days, would do to a person. Everything about their life would be, just like this building, in ruins. I mean, 40 years would have destroyed the financial capacity that they would have. 40 years would, uh, you know, what kind of relationships could, could have could be developed with, with that kind of a hardship, uh, uh, you'd never, never be able to do some of the things that, that really we would all enjoy in life. And really, this person's life was probably more like a pile of rubble, uh, uh, and, and any hope for the future was probably totally ruined. But then Jesus showed up and, and asked him a simple but potentially life-changing question. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Now, if you and I were the guy, we'd like to think that we'd be quick to say, absolutely, We'd like to think that we'd be quick to recognize that it was the Lord Jesus speaking into our lives and we would respond with a, with a positive and a powerful yes. But Jesus doesn't ask questions for obvious answers. He asks questions for us to hear that little tink, tink, tink. He asks questions to help us see something, to guide us into a truth that is greater and more powerful than what we're currently living. You know, the man's answer was very telling about what he had come to believe about his life. Instead of saying yes to Jesus, he starts blaming and explaining. He blames the others uh, who, who, who seemed to get in the water before he could. He made excuses because no one was there to help him into the water. This man had become so entrenched in his way of life that he couldn't see the possibilities and, and he couldn't hear that little tink, tink, tink sound even when Jesus was standing right there in front of him. This man had allowed his current experiences to paint a picture of what the future was going to be like for him. Instead of responding to the living Word of God that was standing right in front of him, the man defaulted to something that had become a part of his life. They made miracle worker promise keep Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are miracle worker promise So let me finish 
today with something that I think is going to give us all some great hope. In Isaiah chapter 61, we're given a glimpse of the ministry of Jesus that he would later fulfill. Because, and, and, and Isaiah records these words, he says, because the Spirit of the Lord is on me, I, I have some good news. And man, today can't we all use some good news right now? And, and so the prophet responds, he says, I have good news. I have good news for the suffering, for the afflicted. He said, I'm here to comfort those that are brokenhearted and bring liberty to the captives and to open the eyes of the blind. To open the eyes of the blind, to tink, tink, tink so that you could see what perhaps you had previously been blind to before. And while you're in the meantime, see what is to come. And so in all of this, Isaiah continues to prophesy and then he gives us some powerful insteads. He said, he's gonna give you beauty instead of ashes. And he's saying, I know that there's been destruction in your life. I know that it looks impossible right now. I know that you don't think that anything good can happen right now and be built out of these ashes of my life, but in the meantime, while you're looking at the ashes, tink, 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 I want you to know that I see value in you. Others might see the destruction, but I've got a plan for your life. I want you to know that I can turn those ashes into something that's beautiful. And he goes on to say that instead of sorrow and mourning, you're gonna experience joy. Instead of the heaviness that you might be feeling right now, I've come to give you a spirit of praise instead. Beauty for ashes. Now, I don't know what your current situation looks like, but here's what I do know. Sometimes we have become amazing storytellers. We can get so good at telling ourselves the same story over and over again. We start blaming, we start explaining, you know, if only they wouldn't have done this, if it wasn't for them, and all of the stories about why we missed out on opportunities that, that others got. But in the meantime, we start to think that our future is gonna be like this burned out building. Our future is gonna be ashes, it's gonna be rubble, it's gonna be destruction. What could possibly be created from that? But tink, 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 God is saying, I can give you beauty in spite of the ashes. But in the meantime, you're gonna to have to believe in me. You're gonna to have, to, to have to let go of the past and you're gonna to have to hang on to and trust in me. So in the meantime, you have a choice. I believe that Jesus is right where you are right now. And he's asking, tink, 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 do you want to be healed? I know that you're in the meantime and it seems like nothing can, nothing can put your life back together again. And I know it seems like yesterday's that you've been living are going to be the tomorrow's that you experience, but it doesn't have to be that way because I can take the rubble, I can take the ashes, I can take the sorrow, and I can take and make something beautiful from it. That is who you are, 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 that is who you are. I'd like to invite you, you know, if, if you would like to start a relationship with the Lord Jesus, it really starts kind of with a simple yes. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that, that you've got a better way for my life and I believe that, that by your death and by your resurrection, I can have a new life. I'd love to lead you in a simple little prayer. If you just wanna, right where you're at, maybe just pray with me. You can just say these words, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I desire a new start. I believe that you died for me and that you're alive today. And I give you my life. I surrender my will and my way to you. Thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you, Joy. We love you, and I hope to see you soon.